0: Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that dives headfirst into all things Bengals related and contains more fun crusted nuggets than you can shake a fun crusted fun stick at. It's almost Super Bowl time, so we'll be briefly taking a look back at last weekend's championship games and we'll be asking what the Bengals can learn from the semi-finalists. And we'll also dive into some of your questions and opinions which there are plenty of this week. We also have another excellent special guest who we'll talk to later, so stay tuned to that. But joining me in the sewing room to discuss these hot potatoes is, as ever, the cannon to my ball, the Cumberland to my sausage, the CJ to my Uzumar, the Bobby to my Davro, and the East to my Enders. It's Nathan... You've got more rabbit than science,
1: Palmer. Hello, Nathan. How you doing, Paul? Um, do you think ever one day when you give that intro, that massive intro, that people will think to themselves, maybe it ain't going to be me today, you're going to introduce someone else that you've managed to lumber on this podcast, eh? Well, that's, but... that's always the dream,
0: I think, isn't it? <laughs> but, um, Build it up was... to
1: about episode 10 and then get rid of me. Is that how this is yeah, going, Yeah, that's basically it? what, what, what right. I'm I'll aiming see, for. I see how it is.
0: Um, now, it's been another busy week uh, in the NFL, especially, uh, and there's been some bits and bobs of Bengals news. But we need to talk about the championship games because there was an absolutely brilliant game between the Jags and the Patriots. Yep. We didn't actually see it. I, I have to tell <laughs> listeners what, what we What do you doing? mean we didn't see it? Well, we decided to have uh, an impromptu podcast forward planning meeting in the pub. and
1: <laughs> A podcast business meeting, one could call it.
0: And we stayed there, didn't we? So, I mean, I did watch the game the day after and also yep. the the Vikings and the Eagles games. Uh, what did you make of the Jags-Patriots game? Because it really was a great game.
1: Well, we said last week on the podcast, didn't we? We, I mean, a lot of people were writing the Jags off of even having a chance, but... Um... You know that when you've got a defence like that and you're hungry, you can cause the Patriots problems. And I mean, sometimes I've said this on the podcast before. You get a situation where teams, like I said, it's like you playing your little brother at sport. You let them get out to a lead, but you've just got that ability when it matters to make the difference. And I think really in this game, the Jags gave it their all. They gave it their all, and they put themselves in a good position to win. But when you've got Tom, uh, Tom Brady. Who quite possibly is the best of all time? Bill Belichick, who I think unquestionably is the best head coach of all time. It's just such a difficult machine to beat.
0: I mean, what, what, how do they do it? What, what, what makes a winner a winner? I mean, that's a very big question. Confidence. Confidence. Being in that situation planning, before. Yeah, yeah. Knowing experience how to, to win. Experience. Uh, I think all those things. Talent.
1: I mean, you blend them all together into a smoothie, you have a drink of it, you got it. You know what I mean? Like It's just an absolute perennial beast, New England. So you... I hate New England. I genuinely might hate them more than the Steelers. Like, wow. It's a toss-up. I just can't stand the smugness of Brady and Belichick's just like grumpy old man on the sideline type attitude. Like A lot of their fans in the UK as well, are like, give me a load of, tweet me a load of stick for this. They're right, sort of up their own... Backside, sort of, you know, only a fan because, like, you know, they win all the games. They're the glory hunters. I can't stand the Patriots. Can't stand them.
0: But you have to kind of take your hat off. Oh, to you them do? Because they're. Yeah, so, you're I mean, 100%. in that situation, it was really weird, actually. Again, I'll say it. I, th- I said something that I said last week um, that watching the Jags, they didn't, they didn't capitulate. It just came down yeah. to that final two minutes. And it felt like a Bengals like performance. You know, they yeah. did everything right for. Three, three and a half quarters. Yeah. Uh, but then somehow the Patriots, when they needed to give Brady pass protection, yep. they gave it to him. Yeah. When they needed a big punt return off Amendola, they got it. I got it. Um. When they needed receivers open, they schemed it so they were open over the middle. Yeah, It was just like, wow. Meticulous. Meticulous. Brilliant planning, brilliant scheming, brilliant yep. execution. And you can't say that the Jags... I mean, Bortles had the game of his life. He was brilliant. And they were really creative in the way they kind of ran their offence. Lots of bootlegs and kind of misdirection, which we saw yeah. versus the Bengals. They're very hard to play against.
1: Yeah, I mean, Tony Romo said it, didn't he? When Blake Bortles walked on that field with about, that, was it Two and a two and a half minutes left. He was like Blake Bortles. You dreamed of this moment as a kid. Like this is your chance. AFC title game, down six against the New England Patriots. You got to lead your team to the Super Bowl. Now, Blake Bortles, I take my hat off to Blake Bortles because I tell you what, he has bloody well stepped up this year. No one gave him a chance of being in the AFC title game in that position, and he played. You said he played his heart out, and but when in, when it ultimately matters. Tom Brady in that situation, he walks out on the field, down six, two and a half minutes. Aaron Rodgers does the same. You're backing them. You're not backing Blake Bortles in that situation. And fair play to him. He gave it a run. They they got close. And, you you know, fair play to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're on the road as well against New England. It it was a very entertaining game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But what was interesting, I saw today... On Twitter, Chris Wessling retweeting another guy who'd written an enormous thread who'd sort of analyzed the last two minutes of each Jacksonville play on offense. Yeah. And he, he came up with something quite amazing. There was a repetition, like first downs, every first down they tried, it was a run from shotgun. Yeah. Second downs, it was a deep pass that more often than not did not connect. Yeah. Uh, so he kind of was saying that there was a predictability about their play calling in the final two minutes, which might have just. Kind of done it. where out a bit. It tipped her out. But what about the other game? I mean, they. I, I mean, can't believe it. I on. I mean, I would have loved to have seen the Vikings win. You know, they got good fans there. Um, the whole school chant and the, you know Zimmer. Obviously, it was it was yeah. upsetting to see Zimmer on the losing uh, podium yet again. Um, but again, he. Someone I saw tweet had a go at him, saying this was like as a, a typical Zimmer playoff play calling sequence, you know, he blew it. And I mean, he admitted in the press conference that he didn't call a good game. But the Eagles are, I mean, they're they're not a funny team because they've got a team of very solid players and no one apart from that defensive line, which is incredible, they don't really have that kind of standout stars. Well, I think
1: they did. Right. With Carson Wentz. That's very true. Yeah. I think with him, he, you know, he's emerging to be a perennial top five quarterback um, But yeah, we were talking about before we came on air And we were saying, look, you look through their offence I mean, Alshon Jeffries is a very, very good player
0: Nelson Aguilar
1: Agu- 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 as well, Zacherts. So I mean, there are weapons there But there's not really Julio Jones there Or your sort of marquee It's going to blow you away I mean, I know we said they went and got uh, Jay Ajayi as well And they've got Garrett Blunt, And they've got Darren Sproles And it's it's a reasonable rotate. No, not Darren Sproles, Smallwood, isn't it? There, yeah, Smallwood, yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah and it's a reasonable rotation, but Doug Pedersen has put those pieces together well. And to turn up and lay that on Minnesota in the NFC title game is, big, is, is a big statement. Um, we'll, we'll come on to this. This
0: neatly segues to what we're going to uh, talk about next. But um, isn't it incredible? These games show you the importance of game planning correctly Yeah. and scheme. If you've got a rock solid scheme, then... It, it does matter, obviously, but it almost doesn't matter the kind of players that you slot into, though. You need to get the right type of players to yep. work that scheme. But the, I
1: told you this, gar, this
0: lager is really gassy tonight. <laughs> Honestly,
1: I've, I've got, Paul, wait, when I came in tonight, Paul goes to me, I've got Sam Adams' Boston lager in tonight. That's what we're drinking, by the way. We didn't even do that at the start. He goes, you've got these Sam Adams Boston Lagers, 50p down the co-op. I was like, mate, they ain't selling them for 50p down the co-op. They've always stayed wrong with them. Honestly, they're the <laughs> gassiest lager I've ever
0: had in my life. Honestly, I've got so much trap wind, it's unbelievable. Oh, bloody hell, that's a great thought, isn't it? Yeah, lovely. It's me Sorry, stuck in a,
1: in a stuffy sewing room all night with him. Bloody hell. This is coming out of my mouth, not me. <laughs> well, let's not sleep too soon. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, we're going to talk about
0: what we can learn from oh, those championship games and specifically the teams. How did they get there? What can the Bengals learn? Because, you know, it's the end of the season and naturally uh, <clears throat> thoughts turn to the Bengals and next season. Yeah, uh, How are we going to fix this team? How are we going to make it better? What can we learn from the Jags for instance what we can learn well I mean the Patriots are the Patriots and they do it every single year yeah. but what can we learn from the Eagles what can we learn from the Vikings
1: I think you've got to have a very clear strong identity and I think if you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars they've got a very good defence and they've built that up like they have built that up like they've got, you know, they've went out and got first round picks like Jalen Ramsey. They've gone and got, you know, that guy from the Broncos, isn't it Trevathan? And they've gone and got, um, or is it Malik Jackson? One of the two. But they've, they've really put some solid pieces on that defence. Over a few years, they've built it up, you know. Initially, they had a couple of decent players. I think it's Paul Poslozny was always their sort of marquee star. But they've built it up. And they the, what they're going to do is they're going to play strong defence. And they've got Leonard Fournette and they're going to run the ball. And it takes so much pressure off Bortles when you can do that. That's right. You've got a strong defence. They're going to get you the ball back. They're going to force some turnovers. They might even score. And you've got Leonard Fournette, who's an animal. He's going to run it at you hard. He's going to set up the play action. TJ Yeldon as well. Yeah, and you've got got Chris Ivory. Yes. I thought Chris Ivory was exceptional against us. I mean, because I think Leonard Fournette was out for that game, wasn't he? That's right. And Chris Ivory looked like a man possessed running He's probably your third-string running back. Yes. So I if you can run agree. the ball that well, and they they went and got a few pieces as well on the offensive line, and they're very much geared up that we're going to run the ball, play a hard defense, and I think that is the key. Because if you look at the Bengals this past year, what is our identity? We don't really have one. I didn't. Think, it's very I mean, flimsy.
0: When it, it's interesting actually, because Marvin Lewis said he wants to get back to a vertical passing game. Now recently. Since Jay Gruden, for instance, came on board, it was very much a West Coast yeah, exactly. uh, offence, and Hugh Jackson kind of made modifications to that, but it was always that way. Mm. And it was interesting to say, or to hear Marvin kind of say, look, we need to get back to this vertical passing. Have we ever been that? I mean, I mean under Br- Bratkowski, you know, yeah. when Marvin first came, it was, especially under Palmer with, yeah. with Chad Johnson. He was a deep who, ball specialist over that Absolutely. Oh. You can't have, like, a massively vertical... No. Uh, passing attack, frankly, with Dalton's arm. Yeah, he's not
1: the most accurate of But what you can passes. do
0: is look at the Jags and how they scheme creatively. And there's lots of, in- as I said earlier, there's lots of interesting bootlegs. When you run the ball so well. Yeah,
1: it sets up so much.
0: sets up so much. And it's not just play actions. It's not just, yes, they can hammer through the tackles with Fournette, Ivory and, and, and Yeldon. Uh but they can do bootlegs. They yeah, can kind of, 100%. you know, all these creative stuff, lots of shifts and motions yeah. on the line. And that's something that we have not done. Mm. And it's been interesting to hear Bill Lazer in the recent batch of interviews saying that he, he's not afraid to go back and rip this offence up and start all over again. And to me, yeah, that's yeah. encouraging. Yeah. I know what you think about Laser, but, yep. you know, there's, I think you're absolutely right. There's got to be an identity. And the Eagles are kind of the same. Yeah, They've gone out. They should be used as a blueprint because they've got an awesome defensive line. We know that. They've got a very solid offensive line. Yeah. Obviously, the emergence of Carson Vents has been a, a really
1: big... Carson Wentz. Carson
0: Wentz. <laughs> he has emerged.
1: Oh, it's Carson Wentz drops back to pass.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, Carson, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. I've got to say like that. <laughs> Carson Wentz. Sorry. Yeah, he's, he's been fantastic. But you look at, they've been aggressive in free agency. They've yeah, gone out yeah, yeah. and got LeGarrett Blunt. Solid player, doesn't pull up any trees, but he's extremely effective. Yep. J H I also extremely effective. made a trade
1: when and got him absolutely
0: like mid season
1: that, yeah, that's yeah. kind
0: of unheard it's of like,
1: and they're basically saying by making that trade Jai hasn't done that much he's made a couple of decent plays mm. but it's that attitude of we think we can win now yes and I think and, that's what's missing from yeah. the Bengals because you know and I'm not saying the Bengals could have done this but that year when Dalton hurt his thumb and we all thought that was our year yeah you potentially that year could have gone and made some other moves and you could have been like this is our year could have gone
0: again could have got a QB. Wow. A starting calibre QB to
1: finish the finish the job off. But you can't make a trade, though, after he got hurt. And they did have McCann. No, but, yeah, okay, that's fair enough. But you know what I mean? It's yeah. that kind of mindset. Checkmate. Yeah, sorry, you
0: got me there, <laughs> bugger. Um, so I think that's what we can learn, you know. Yeah. It's kind of building
1: teams, which the Bengals have done,
0: but they haven't done it quite in the right spots, I don't think. They've got, I think,
1: next, because Marvin Lewis, the human Marvin, I love Marvin, but... It does give you these sort of recycled, we need to run the ball. We need to, you know, limit the turnovers. We need to do this. But it's all good saying it and there's another thing doing it and saying this is our identity. We might spend more money on the defensive line because we're going to be a team that rushes the passer, causes problems, you know, gets 40, 50 sacks a year. Or we're going to invest our money in the offensive line. We've got Joe Mixon, an exciting, you know, second-year player there. We've got Gio Bernard. We'll come Bernard. on to Joe Mixon a bit later on. <laughs> We've got Mixon, who's an exciting young player. We've got Gio Bernard. And we're going to run it down your throat. And we're going to bet on Mixon next year. And we're going to bet on Gio Bernard. And that's what we're going to be. And we're going to make the job much easier for Andy Dalton. Because I don't think, you know, being a vertical passing team is one thing. But first of all, I don't think we have the talent at wide receiver to be a vertical and passing you need,
0: team. you need a QB with an absolute cannon as an arm. You need Aaron Rodgers. We're, need. we're going
1: to talk very briefly about John Ross later in this episode. But you're talking about being a vertical passing team. John Ross, his whole stock to me, if he's going to be a deep pass threat... And he's that quick. Dalton's not the best guy for it. If you've got Carson Palmer and you're John Ross, you're rubbing your hands together. But you've got Andy Dalton, that is not Andy Dalton's strength. I
0: have to say, can you imagine AJ Green's numbers and someone like John Ross with Carson
1: Palmer? With Carson Palmer and Chad Johnson on the other side, it would be absolutely disgraceful.
0: Goodness me! Palmer was absolutely Sorry, just, unreal. Sorry, I just need a moment to, <laughs> to think about Palmer that. Palmer has that. such a big arm, the guy. Oh yeah, at. absolutely. He's a like cannon, absolutely. Um, and also, we're going to se- we can segue into the Mike Brown interview. Do like. you love this word "segue"? What does it even mean? It means to kind of neatly segue, sequ- sequence into the next item. <laughs> By joining it, by Ooh, saying something. What a, what
1: a load. Uh, this this podcast every week slightly turns into a bit of a grammatical podcast. It, <laughs> there's a few like nice it little words that we chuck in To me, in they're there. just normal words. Yeah, because you're a bloody journalist. Isn't <laughs> to they? you, it's like some sort of theosaurus lesson.
0: <laughs> it's like some sort of English lesson. <laughs> uh, but yes, Mike Brown gave a very interesting interview, and I have to say, you know, I've got this image of Mike Brown being um, this almost like Scrooge-like Gollum figure. <laughs> Like sitting under the Roebling Bridge. Mike, if you want to come on this next episode, <laughs> we're here. But no, wait until I finish. Oh. Uh, counting his money, you know, <laughs> eating raw fish and kind of. <laughs> and um, my precious, that kind of thing. But uh, obviously Dr. he's Will. not, because every time I read or hear and speak, I'd like to go for a beer with this guy. Really? Absolutely. He's got so many amazing stories about the old days. Now, obviously, that's not relevant to. Well,
1: that got, that's up your alley,
0: isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I like. I like <laughs> the old days. I remember when there was no electricity. <laughs> And we use pigeons to communicate with each other and smoke signals. Is There's been too ah. much of an
1: increase. <laughs> There's been too much of an increase in your weird voices on these podcasts. With Alex Van Pelt last week, now this. It's getting too much. It's like a skit show. <laughs>
0: but yes, the Mike Brown interview, I won't do any more voices. You promised. I can't promise that to be honest <laughs> with you. Um but, you know, he was, he, he kind of said some interesting things. He acknowledged that the offense was on its arts and need. Yeah. well, he didn't say that, obviously. <laughs> I would have loved it if he'd have said that. But he, he recognized that it needed change. Yeah. Uh, he need, and, but the really interesting thing was like, you know what? Every coach comes out at the end of a season and says, next season, we want to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And people are holding Marvin to account, but come on, that's just like a platitude, really. There's another word for you. That's a good word. Um it's kind of like you wouldn't you wouldn't expect your coach to say anything less. If he nah. came out and said, Oh, we'll be all right, we'll pro- we might get to the playoffs next year, you know, that's all right, isn't it? Is that your people, pressure to Marvin? <laughs> no, I told you there was not going to be no voices. <laughs> um But you know, if if he'd come out and said that, he would have been absolutely slated. Oh yeah. So I don't blame Marvin for coming out. And saying, look, I'm here to win a championship. But what the other side of things was that Mike was saying a lot of good things. And, a lot, of, you know, we have to re-engage the fan base. We need to do better off on offense. Yes, we might go out and get some free agents. But again, he held back and kind of said, but we've got to do it our way. And we've got to do it correctly. And I saw you rolling your eyes in the back of your head there. So in many respects... He said some encouraging things that we all wanted to hear. He's a
1: very idealistic general manager. He's or a very team con- owner. He's a very conservative, and he's very like old school. Like and, you know, and you re- and you know, I give him credit for not being like raw too much raw emotion because as fans, every fan wants to win. To like yesterday. And with him, it's very like, you know, he's going to take a look at it and he's not going to judge it to the end of the season. And you're almost screaming at the screen, like, how can you react like that? Are you not passionate as a fan or anything? How can you look at it that objectively and then weigh it all up at the end of the season and think, oh uh, yeah, no, I think we're going to bring him back. Because there were points in that season where it was buried. I mean, after that Minnesota game, I mean, I know it was disgraceful. And I just don't think after, you know, two games where you win a good game, Against, um, who is it we beat? The Lions. You win a good game there, fine. And then you lose, when well, you win a game against the Ravens that we really should have lost. It's fourth and 12. If they tip that ball and it falls to the ground, what, Marvin isn't coming back? Is it that close? Well, it seemed to be. It might seem to be. You can't to, make decisions, like though. You've got to be more like, you can't be that on the fence.
2: Well, it's. Do you know what I mean? And that's the
0: other thing that I think that people really took from it. It was down. It,
1: it, Marvin coming back was down to those two games. But shouldn't you be committed? Like shouldn't at that point you be like, if it's that close, then maybe it's not right. Because you need to be a hundred percent committed if you want something to work. And if you're, you know, basing the decision to bring him back on a ball being tipped in the middle of, you know what I mean, it just it's all a bit it all seems Well, it a staggers
0: bit, me that you're making a decision on your head coach for the foreseeable future. Yeah. On two game, two meaningless games. Yeah. Do you know what No, I mean? absolutely. This should have been kind Dead of decided. Cat it's happened before. Absolutely. It should have been decided way before the season. But listen, we're going to talk a little bit more about this because we have another special guest this week. And indeed, our fantastic special guest this week is one of my favourite journalists. It's ESPN's NFL Nation Bengals reporter, Catherine Terrell. Catherine, are you there?
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I know we tried a couple of times, but we couldn't make it work, so happy to be here.
0: Well, we're happy uh, that you are here. I mean, you're, you're not from Cincinnati originally, are you? you, you you've covered New Orleans before. Are you from Louisiana originally?
2: Right, I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and so I lived in Louisiana all my life until um, last year, actually. I think I covered the Saints for four years, something like that.
0: Right, right. So how did you find Cincinnati when you came up north to Ohio?
2: Uh, well, ESPN gave me a call in the summer of 2016, and they had an opening in Cincinnati. Um, I'd actually never been to Cincinnati, although I had been to Ohio. So I figured, you know, why not? Something new. Uh, and I think that's been great. Um, I'm coming up on two years now, I guess. Uh, it'll be two years in August.
0: And we can't thank you enough for your amazing reporting either. So, um I have Nathan in the studio with me. So Nathan, say hi to Catherine. Catherine, say hello to Nathan.
1: How are you doing, Catherine? All right? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. My my first question to you on the Bengals um, is what do you think is the most important area for the Bengals to improve in um, going into the 2018 season?
2: Well, I think certainly they have to improve their offensive line really top to bottom. I, I don't think that there's, any player on that line that's not replaceable outside of Clint Bowling. And I think they have a lot of work to do. I don't know if they'll do it in free agency, but whether in free agency or the draft, they have to address that line. And I think they took a good first step by replacing the offensive line coach. So it does show they're aware that there's a problem, but I think that the offense is never going to get better unless they fix that first.
0: I mean, we uh, before you came on uh, the air, Catherine, uh, Nathan and I were talking about the Mike Brown interview with uh, Jim Ozarski and Jeff Hobson last week. And, and some of it was interesting because he he acknowledged the offensive weaknesses. He acknowledged that this team has got to get better. But then he seemed to kind of revert back to kind of the Mike Brown-isms that we, we know and, well, not so much love about him, but kind of expect from him. What did you take from that interview? Because it was kind of quite an interesting chat, wasn't it?
2: It was interesting, but I think that Mike Brown often has acknowledged problems. It doesn't necessarily mean that they fix those problems. I think that's the interesting part. I think you you saw that with Adam Jones last year. Uh, Mike Brown acknowledged that what he did reflected very badly on him when he got arrested, but the Bengals weren't willing to part ways with him. And I think that it was interesting that he did not seem to – want to approach free agency any differently and I think that's going to be a sore point with fans but you never know what can happen but I I think coming from that conversation it was very obvious the Bengals aren't definitely going to reverse course and, and be a top player in free agency they never have been and I don't think they will be
0: Yeah I, th- I think that's the message that we're getting unfortunately although they're, they're a funny team aren't they because they, they give and they take away with almost the same hand really you know they kind of Marvin talks about changing and, again, acknowledging the uh, the weaknesses. So he's gone out and got a lot of new coaches. The off- Bill Lazor talks about ripping up the offense. So, again, they're aware of the problems. But I guess with this team, the proof of, a put- of the pudding is very much in the eating, right?
2: Right, and I think that how what decisions they make over the next few months will say a lot about their commitment to change. Like I said, I think changing all these coaches was a very solid first step, and I actually think Marvin assembled a, a very good coaching staff. I think two of the problems, um, obviously one was the offensive line, and the other was that Andy Dalton was not the Andy Dalton we saw in 2015, and maybe that's because he no longer had Hugh Jackson. I think bringing... A guy in that worked with Aaron Rodgers is going to help him a lot. So those two things combined, changing the coaching on offensive line and the quarterback's coach, it's a very solid first step, but they have a lot more steps to go.
1: Um, Just going back to the Marvin Lewis situation, um, obviously a very controversial um, sort of decision to bring him back. And one of the justifications for bringing him back was um, his strong relationship with the players and that they felt that, you know, they still believed in him and they hadn't given up on him. Now, you know, being around the team, being close to the team, do you think that is true? And do you think there is a real buy in from the players or do you think there are there is some sort of maybe, you know, underlying tensions? And there are a couple of players there that think, you know, actually, we might be better off with a fresh start and with a new head coach.
2: Well, I think a lot of times players are are closer to their position coaches than they are to the head coach, especially in the NFL. So you probably have all three sides. Some players don't care. Um, Some players love Marvin, and that was kind of clear. I mean, you talk to players like Adam Jones and Drake Patrick, and I think they're very close to Marvin. And there probably are some players that were frustrated with how he handled things. Even A.J. Green said that. But I think, most of all, players know that, Changes in coaching staff are not good for them. So, usually players are going to be against change. They know a new coach can come in and they can be on their way out. So, I think if if the players didn't buy into Marvin, then we wouldn't have seen them win those last two games. Because I have to admit, during that Bears game, I thought the players just flat out quit. And the more I watched it over the next few days and the more I talked to them and thought about it, I think that everything just went wrong in that game and they rebounded actually pretty nicely the last two games of the season so um you shouldn't base your decisions on two games and I think Mike Brown partially did but I think it does show some bias
0: yes I was at that Bears game so thanks for reminding me of that one Catherine <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry
2: about that <laughs>
0: I'm interested you're, you're there day in day out and we're a lot of people are quite angry with with the the mar- the renewal of Marvin's contract. Um, what what's the feeling that you get at the moment? Has the kind of rage and anger kind of died down a little bit, and people being a little bit more kind of uh, phlegmatic about it? What what's the, what's the what's the feeling at the moment? I know that you guys in the media just could not believe really because everything that the writing was on the wall for Marvin, right? So what's the feeling now? Well,
2: it was interesting. I've gotten a sense all year he could be on his way out, and not just a Mike Brown thing. It, w- it was a Marvin decision, too. He even told me um, in August uh, during an interview, Some people sometimes people have to go their separate ways, and I'm okay with that. So, yeah, there, there are so many signs that they seem to be okay with usually parting ways. So it was very surprising when that reversed course, although as it got closer to the time it was announced, it started to become more obvious he was coming back, because if if he wasn't, he would have said that immediately after um, that Ravens game or the next day. Um, but as far as fans go, I think the more worrying thing is apathy. I think fans are just kind of fed up with the status quo, and that makes them apathetic, you know? It makes them not bother to go to games or just not bother to care, and that's what you never want your fan base to be. Mike Brown thinks he can win the fans back if he wins, and I think that that's mostly true, but I think that there's some fans that are going to be upset until they see a coaching change overall.
0: Coming from uh, New Orleans, where the fan base is legendarily kind of rabid and fervent and kind of frothing at the mouth down there, it must be quite, quite odd to see this kind of apathetic fan base in Cincinnati.
2: Well, it's, it's interesting because um, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I'm a big LSU fan, and that's where I went to college. Yep. And that's exactly what's happening to their fan base. They don't like the coaching decisions and the coaching staff, and they're becoming apathetic. They're basically resigned to the fact that their team won't be that good. So I see it in both fan bases. Now, the Saints are, are an interesting fan base because they're they're very defensive of their team and of outsiders. And I think that Cincinnati fans are – are angry at their team but you know even Saints fans wanted Sean Payton to go for a while like, he went through so many seven and nine seasons it was the same thing people were calling for him to leave and they had a good season this year so winning does help it does turn things around I don't think you see many people calling for Sean Payton's head at this point point.
0: and this seems like an obvious question but I'm gonna ask it anyway you mentioned that is the only way that they're going to kind of reignite the fan base by winning is that it's the only way right that's that's the only way that you can kind of re-engage your fan base well
2: they have to win a playoff game yeah i think not even getting to the playoffs is going to it's be is going to be enough i mean fans have been waiting for a playoff game since 1990 so <laughs> they're i mean waiting for a playoff win yeah. so until you get that it's just another lost season and i think that where the fans' frustration comes in is they feel like they have this window with some of the defensive players and A.J. Green, and it feels like a waste every year they get to the playoffs and don't win. So they're going to have to win a playoff game. I think that that's really the bar at this point. I don't think I don't think improvement would really mean much unless it comes with a win.
1: Catherine, you've been a brilliant guest, and we really appreciate you coming on. Um, last week we had Ken Anderson on, and we said to Ken, we said, Ken, what do you think the Bengals' record is going to be in 2018? And he put his neck on the line, and he said 11 and five, which I think, you know, going back to the point we were saying about engaging the fans would be a great start and get people back on board. What is Catherine Terrell's prediction for the Bengals in 2018?
2: Oh man, I don't, I don't like to make predictions before free agency. Um,
1: <laughs> we're putting you on the spot here. Yeah.
2: I know, I know. My prediction, my earliest prediction last year was 9-7, and seven, and if they had won two of the games they were supposed to win, they would have <laughs> been 9-7. and seven. Uh, Man, I, I don't know. I, there's just so many variables, and I know that's a cop-out, but I just want to see them fix this offensive line before I really start to, to see optimism that they're going to be better than the worst offense in the league. But I I do also think they have a good core in place, and they're very capable of getting back on track. I don't think they're that far off, so I could I could see them having another mediocre season, and I could see them winning 9 or 10 games if they addressed the correct problems. So, I'm not going to make a, a, a solid prediction <laughs> yet, you'll have to come back to me in a few months, but I do think there's a good core in place.
1: It sounds like 9 and 7 to me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right now, well, it can move. That's, that's
1: usually the baseline now. Uh, we'll
0: see after March and May, actually. All right. No, that's May a fair point. A lot. And so, Catherine, we're going to let you go because you mentioned earlier off air that you're a bit poorly at the moment. So, we can't thank you enough for uh, joining us and getting out of your sickbed to talk to us. Um, uh, we'd love to have you on again, maybe later on this season. But uh, until that time, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Of
1: course, any time. Thank you for having me. Cheers,
0: Catherine. Well that was ESPN's Catherine Terrell, uh, another great guest and she said some really good things, I think. I I think it kind of echoed a lot of what we're thinking. There's a lot of talk at the moment. Um we
1: hope we hope they back it up with actions, right? Yeah, I mean there's some really good points. And I think it, you know, there's definitely some good debate in there. I think it's just so good to have these guests on. Like it's just really interesting to get the scoop. From Cincinnati, from the people that are close to the team, and it was also very nice to get through um, get through one interview without an appearance from your cat. Pool. <laughs> oh,
0: poor old Quill, I've, I've locked him in the living room. <laughs> I have locked him that, that, before anybody calls the RSPCA. <laughs> he, he's asleep on
1: on the couch. At even the worse. No, I didn't. You know, there's no. If you're listening to this show tonight and you've been affected by some okay. of the actions... <laughs> we'll put before. on a
2: helpline number at the end of the show.
0: <laughs> no, he's fine. He's sleeping. What's his name? Quill. Quill. And he's, a, I say, he's a Bengals cat. He's the best. But he's the noisiest, <laughs> meowiest cat you've ever heard in your life. Um, oh, dear. We're going to kick straight into the questions because we've got a lot uh, this week. So thank you so much. And, you know... Again, I, I say it every week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dish out my catchphrase. No, Don't. No. no? All right. This all right. is... Uh, no, it's not. It's not. But <laughs> well, thank, you got to do it. It's your catchphrase. This is as much about... Listeners, this is as no, much you about you as it is about us. No, seriously, it is. And we love the questions and the interaction. This is what we do it for, right? This, we're all Bengals yeah. fans. And please get in touch with us on at Whoday underscore UK uh, on Twitter and Bengals UK on facebook and we've had loads of questions so we're gonna we're gonna dig straight into them
1: can i just say before we get started on the questions like we really honestly i I, what i've been really really surprised by since we started doing this podcast is just how engaged some of you have been like retweeting it commenting like it's awesome we really really enjoy it because it gives us an idea of what you want what you don't like what you do like and Honestly, like, you know, especially to the UK fans, if you've got any fans in your Twitter feeds that you know of that maybe don't know about what we're doing or the podcast, like, let them know, like, give them a tweet out. Like, it's just, it's great to engage as many of you as possible. Absolutely. And uh,
0: we will be uh, trying to get some meetups together in the spring. Definitely. Perhaps during draft. That's not set in stone yet, but we're talking about where to do it and what best to do it. And we're going to actually send out a survey once we. Uh, finish our first series just to tell us what you want and tell us what you're into and what you think would be good (laughs) not like Nathan (laughs) I don't want any dodgy pictures on Twitter tell
1: us what you're into everyone
0: (laughs) (laughs) right let's let's get into some questions Uh, my mate Jimmy in Japan hello Jimmy Tan dreams of witness at DW no sorry D witness on Twitter I just want to go back because I forgot to mention this week. How much fun was it watching Pittsburgh against Jacksonville? The hubris exploding in their faces was incredible. And the Jags players were totally on point talking about the lack of respect. We don't need to go into that, but I
1: think I needed to mention that Ooh, because, yeah. you know, that was a sweet, sweet but moment. But do you know what? Though, wouldn't it have been sweet to see like New England and Pittsburgh, one of them take the other one down? It's like seeing your two exes have a row. <laughs> wow. I don't know. If you've met my exes,
0: you wouldn't want to see. Uh, um, okay, so Ben Wintle on uh, Facebook. Hi, Ben. With the recent success of the Jags, the Vikings and the Eagles playing with average QBs relying heavily on their O-line and D-lines, do you think we should
1: go that route in the draft or attempt to do that in free agency? Ben, I think I think that's a great point. I think we alluded to it earlier in the podcast about having an identity. <laughs> I think if you, uh, you know, if, if that's the road you're going down, then I think absolutely we should build through that in the draft, and absolutely we should try and be aggressive in free agency. And you know, Catherine Terrell earlier was saying, you know, I don't think the Bengals are going to be aggressive in free agency. Well, I disagree. I think we will be. I think we will be aggressive, not aggressive, but like moderately flirtatious. We're going to go and get, I think, at least one marquee player because we have to to engage the fan base. It is about winning, but it's about getting good players, invigorating and energising the fans. I think we will be aggressive. I think we do need to go there. We, do, we have to improve the offensive line. And we have to make the defence as good as it was under Zim. Because if we can do that, yeah, I completely agree. You don't need an elite quarterback. I mean, you've got Nick Foles, who I give so much credit to Nick Foles. I think he's a really underrated quarterback. Nick Foles is quarterbacking in the Super Bowl. Case Keenan was trying to get to the Super Bowl. Blake Bortles is trying to get to the Super Bowl. All on the back of the same formula. A good defense, a good offensive line, and a strong run game. I absolutely agree. The offensive. Yeah, the I mean, for
0: me, you have to build teams on either lines. You need a half-decent quarterback. Yeah. A really good offensive line. Because if you haven't got a Brady, Rogers or Breeze, then, you know, let's face it, there are three quarterbacks out you know, You can maybe add in Roethlisberger. You Matt can, Ryan. I think he's a bit below elite, but he's a very good quarterback. Yeah. Um but you need to have the offensive line because you can do so much with a decent offensive line. Yeah, You can run the ball. You can get Mixon to show what he's all about. You can get Geo doing all kinds of things. You can give Dalton much more time. You can give Dalton not only time but also the psychological reassurance where he doesn't have to go walkies. He doesn't lose the plot and start running away from, from things that he doesn't need to start running away from so we've we've had quite a lot of um uh questions about free agency and you know that all kicks off next month so we might as well start because again it, people want to start talking about it now. People want to know where should we. I mean, I think offensive line is the key. Yeah, and if you have we have to go and get one
1: starter on that line, I in mean, free agency. you have
0: to go for it. And um, we have to. Uh, Jamie Jamie Rowe has written a really good piece uh, which has gone up on our blog, uh, BengalsUK.WordPress.Com, uh, about free agency, who we might want to go for, and. Uh, Interestingly, he kind of says, you know, perhaps we could and should go after a quarterback, maybe a Teddy Bridgewater. Um, In terms of uh, offensive line, what we've been talking about most, um, he says, uh, Obuy can can go, Smith can go, Bodine can go, Hopkins can stay, but he's a backup player at best. Jake Fisher's health scare may mean the question is out of the Bengals' hands. Um, So he suggests maybe looking at a Nate Solder, maybe some unfashionable but steady veterans like Brino Giacomini uh, or Luke Jokel or someone like (laughs) that. say that name again. Brino Giacomini. Brino Giacomini. No, you're not doing this again. All right, sorry. And then, of course, you know, that's where the draft comes in. I've seen uh, quite a few mock drafts. I'm looking at the pro football focus uh, mock draft at the moment, and they've got us taking uh, Notre Dame's Offensive tackle Mike McGlinchey, and I've seen his name in quite a few mock drafts. Yeah. Interestingly, um, look who they got taking number one. Baker Mayfield. Bakkey, one, Baker Mayfield. Yeah.
1: Bakey? Well, did we have Mayfield. a bet last week? Yeah, we did. We had a bet last week. Baker Mayfield going in the first round, and in mm. this one, he's going number one. He's, he's 100% going that first now, round. Now,
0: talking of forfeits, Nathan... Um, we managed to get round to doing your forfeit this weekend. Unfortunately, we didn't do it at Speaker's Corner because... A, it was snowing. It was snowing and it was really well. I went to the Women's March, get me right on, but, you know, I don't know what you are doing. But um, um, I was in prayer. <laughs> Nathan's got a thing about Pret a Manger. Uh, for American <laughs> listeners, that is a high street sandwich chain. Mate, it's unreal. I'm not letting you go off on one. I tell on, you. Te- what? Pret Manger. I love
1: Pret. The food is so fresh. It's you know. It's anyway. Scott
0: Gibb. <laughs> uh, no. Um, Scott, we'll come to Scott's question in a moment or point in a moment. But yes, we managed to go out. It wasn't Speaker's Corner. But we managed to meet for five minutes down at a local tube station so have a listen excuse me guys sorry we're recording a podcast a sports podcast have you ever heard of the cincinnati bengals no, no, no. No. okay so yes we're here at a well there's a steady stream of people coming in and out of the tube station it's just stopped raining uh so nathan's here hello nathan
1: how you all doing guys i Want you to understand it it's my Sunday night it's about what is it half six seven o'clock at night it's been pissing it down the rain all day and we're stood in the cold in my Bengals jersey at gospel oak station so thank you all for this well uh, yes thank you indeed
0: for all this Um so Nathan take it away you've got your script and, uh... and go
1: oh yeah yeah my name is Nathan why have you got the oh yeah yeah part of the to be oh yeah oh yeah like an oh, oh oh yeah oh yeah my name is Nathan Palmer from Bengals UK and this is a forfeit from this day onwards, I hereby promise not to judge Joe Mixon on yards per carry alone. 3.2 yards, might I say. To understand that any running back behind our line was going to struggle. I promise to go back and watch his tape and look closely at his running style. How powerful and quick he is. How often he makes something out of nothing. I promise to reconsider and use the measurables as a guide. Even though we all struggle with his off-field issues, I hereby promise from this day onwards to judge his athletic ability objectively. Onwards and upwards to Joe Mixon and who <laughs> That felt, that felt one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever read. And in public
0: as well, on a deep, dark, cold, rainy night. Well, should we go and get a point? Let's go and get
1: one. So there we go, Nathan. How about that? <laughs> Look, I'll tell you what. It, I, it, like, on my Sunday night, <laughs> I'm being told that I have to go and meet Paul at Gospel Oak Station, right? Which is in North London. It is in North London. And, yeah, I'm walking about a 25-minute walk from my house, and it's pouring down. And I turn up in my Bengals jersey, and... Paul's asking people outside the station, the station for the Bengals. I'm standing there like an embarrassed son of his dad on the, uh, the dictaphone, <laughs> like giving it out. And I'm reading out stuff. People walking out the station looking at me. And then we ended up having about four pints, didn't we? So at least it ended sweetly. But yes, um, yeah, bloody
0: hell. Well, that's forfeit over. I've got a feeling that I'm going to be doing a forfeit with the whole <laughs> Baker Mayfield or Bakey Mayfield. Why
1: are you calling him Bakey? Because
0: I said it wrongly beforehand, so I'm sticking with it. The wind's changed, so I'm sticking with Bakey. Um, Right, let's get back to our questions then. Um, As I said, we've had quite a few um, questions about free agency. So Joshua Stiorts at Joshua Stiorts on Twitter. What's your thoughts on possible free agent targets to fill some of the needs? I haven't really looked at any free agents, but, you know, I, I, I think the offensive line, we've talked about it, no end. That's obvious point that needs to be improved
1: drastically. But also I also think the linebackers need to be improved Oh, yeah, well. you took the words out of my mouth. Offensive line, we know. Linebacker, I think we know. I think if there's a good defensive tackle out there, we need to have a think about that. And if I'm being completely honest with you, I think we need to have a think about wide receiver. I think a wide receiver is an interesting position in the NFL because when you draft a rookie and you look statistically at rookie and, and second-year players, their statistics it takes them a while to learn the system. And outside of AJ Green, we have not one and I'm including Brandon LaFell in this, one real established quality starter that we can rely on to stretch the field that you know is going to be a threat. And, you know, you look at a lot of these like, highly explosive offensive teams and the players that they've got at their number two position, and Brandon LaFell's just not near them. I mean, you look at the Steelers and you've got, you know, Martavius Bryant and Juju Smith-Schuster fighting over that. And you've got other teams, you know, that have got people, even like the Lions we played at the end of the season, you've got Marvin Jones and Golden Tate, I mean you want a player like that, that you can help Andy Dalton out with, because outside of green, you double cover green, and you've got a very pedestrian receiver in Brandon LaFell, who can make plays, but he's not going to beat you deep, he's not going to make these one-handed spectacular grabs, and you know, with a bad line, you need someone that can do that. And I think unless we go out, I mean, like I said, if you even if you go and draft another first round receiver or whatever you do, it takes them time to adapt. So maybe in free agency, we go grab someone for a quick fix.
0: Yes, uh, who knows? I mean, again, I've not really looked at the the whole uh, free agent uh, list
1: yet, and you know that that's something that we can. Um talk about Do so you run in... a Bengals UK podcast so you're not even bothered to have a look at the free agency list is that No because I'm talking about the Bengals is that, is that the commitment you're showing to this podcast I,
0: Excuse me I went out in the, in the pouring rain to record you talk nonsense about Joe Mixon I stay up until God knows when editing this podcast
1: no, no. You, you
0: know what I'm saying <laughs> I'm, joking, I'm joking Right I mean Jamie did suggest maybe Paul Richardson of Seattle who's coming up uh, free agent this see, look
1: at you when you get desperate you quickly get on Jamie's coat yes, now, I'm not, No I'm
0: not I think he wrote, he wrote it's a, really a good blog. It's a good read. I have Really to say. good. Really good read. Um, let's get back to a question. And actually, this I'm going to use this word again segue into Ben Williams's question. Uh, at Ben Williams2 If John Ross is fit, do you see him making a difference next season? Right. And I'm going to say absolutely 100%. <sighs> but it's a big question. Okay. On. Well, uh, uh, let me qualify that, right? right? I think he's got the speed and the skill. If you watch him play for his college team up in the Northwest, who was it? It was, um, it was Northwestern. Northwestern. He was amazing.
1: Now, it's. No, it wasn't. It's not Northwestern. It's Washington State. Washington State. <laughs> yeah. Northwest. Yeah, see. <laughs> Northwest. Yeah,
0: your commitment to this podcast, Nathan, is. <laughs> well, at rare. least I read Washington State Huskies. Yeah. There you go. There you go. I think he's, he's he's obviously got the speed, but I think he's got the hands and. I also think we have to use him correctly as well. He's not just going to be a speedster. I mean, he can be one of those people that opens up the field for us, but we need to use him creatively to get him open and then obviously his raw speed will kind of do the rest. But, yeah, if he's fit, and that's obviously the big, big question, Mm. if if he doesn't like bugger about and kind of claim that he's fit when he's not, then we have to use him. We have to kind of build in... Because, like, before it all came out that he'd been kind of not feigning injury, but feigning fitness. Um, There was lots of screams about why don't we just have like, you know, two or three packages where he does a few things just specifically for him to kind of get him involved in the game. Because, you know, when he was on the field, he fumbled and he was taken out immediately. I thought that was bad player management. So first of all, I think we need to kind of restore his confidence I think he has to get a full pre-season in, which he didn't have last, last year. And then hopefully, hopefully, um, he can have a real impact for us. Because I think he's
1: got the skill set for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting with John Ross. And, you know, if you look back at the questions, if he's fit, do you see him making a difference? So I think the first thing you're going to talk about, the whole if he's fit, and it's been capitalised there. And I, I went back and a look at his injury history, you know, today. September two thousand fourteen, knee MCL tear, knee meniscus tear. April seventeenth, my birthday, two thousand fifteen, knee ACL tear. September thirtieth, twenty sixteen, shoulder labrum tear. And then obviously he's got this issue in twenty seventeen, which was another shoulder issue. And that, if you look at it, is four, five, six. That's four out of the last five years that he's had pretty serious injury problems. And I went and had a look around today and a Google around today, doing a bit of research, because I'm committed to this podcast. Right. <laughs> and There was an article with Mike Mayock saying quite a few – well, not quite a few teams, but some teams had taken him off their draft boards because of injury concerns. And I think, you know, like I said before, wide receiver is not a position that you get a rookie come in and he was going to tear up 1,200 yards. It virtually never happens. AJ Green was the gold standard of something like that. And he came in on a team that had no talent and we just threw him in because we had nothing. And he just led us from day one. But very rarely does it happen. I think with John Ross, it's unrealistic for us to expect in the first place he was going to come in and do that. I think because his high draft status and the brand about, you know, John Ross, 4.22, we probably placed unrealistic expectations on his back with that. But to me, it's a big worry. You've got a guy who's injury prone. He's 5'9", so he's not going to be a Julio Jones or Green. And then you you come back at me and you say, well, Antonio Brown's 5'9". And if he could be anything near Antonio Brown, then I'll shake your hand off. But it does worry me, the whole injury thing. And he's a pure speedster. And you kind of worry with that. Like if you're running that bloody fast, you know, he's going to have an effect on your body. Yeah. He's going got to, to make learn the play, and kind of of. Yeah. Know. And he's got Buell Leizu. I'm, you know, I,
0: you know, I'm not, He's got a decent-looking new wide receivers coach as well. Yeah, I mean, there's it's difficult. Tr- isn't trouble it? Is trouble is there are a lot of ifs and buts with John Ross. I mean, I want him to succeed, but because I think if he
1: does succeed, then he will have a big, big impact. But know? we were saying earlier, and the last point I'm going to make, we were saying it earlier. If you're, and I think this is where fans need to be a little bit wiser than this. Is that he is a speedster, but he ran a 4.22. There's a lot of guys in the NFL that run 4.4, and you're talking about a very, very fine margin without pads on at a combine. When the pads are on and, you know, someone's bumping you at the line, it's not just straight line speed. There's a lot more involved than that. And I think if we're just saying, oh, why don't we have a few packages where he just runs straight down the field as like it's a foot race? No, I'm, not not I'm, no, not, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you're sa- saying that. I'm
0: not saying like he should run down the field as no. fast as he can because we've already established that Dalton probably can't well, get him I, the That's why I worry about but as well. But what I'm talking about is his sort of motions and shifts – And I've mentioned that before, but get you know, maybe he should run as fast as he can down the field because it kind of takes a safety away from the other side. You know what I mean? If he's he's got separation, it does. Well, it doesn't matter if the ball's not going to him. You just tell him to go on a deep, you know, a a post route or something like that to open up the field, and then you go to someone like A.J. or Tyler Boyd in the slot because suddenly, you know, they're going to be absolutely terrified of John Ross running straight at them. So they're going to have a deep safety. And then who knows?
1: knows? I don't think he's. I mean, we're we're talking as if he's just you know because he ran that one draft, you know that one play, and we're like, well, he's just going to tear it off. It's it sounds good and it sounds sexy, but I'm not convinced. we'll summarize. You're saying yes. I I think I'm saying four out of ten. I'm not convinced. I I think I think I hope I'm wrong. If he has a good preseason, yeah, that's that's imperative.
0: If he stays fit and if he's used correctly then he will have an impact. How, well, many,
1: how many yards are you going, John? Well,
0: right? someone's asked us,
1: actually. Oh, um, no, don't, we'll come on to it. We'll come on to it. I, I love questions like that.
0: So let's stick with uh, wide receivers. Andrew Townsend, Andrew Townsend2, asks, with Tyler Boyd having a positive end to the campaign, do you foresee him finally having a breakthrough year this time around? In my opinion, I think he will. Mo Sanu, Mark 2. Paul? Um. I think there's only so much of a breakout campaign some receiver like Tyler Boyd can. There's no question that he's talented. There's no question something happened last year. Yeah. Whether it was that car crash thing that affected him or you know he wasn't getting on with the coaches. Um I think he's going to I, I do agree that he could well be a most new mark too. He's certainly got the speed, well not the speed but the once he gets it, and w- w- once we've seen that he's got it, he can be very, very effective as a number three. I agree with you. I, I mean, uh, you know, Brandon LaFalle seems like a good guy and a good, solid professional, but he's never going to open people up. No, I think so. What we've got, I think, is AJ Green, unquestionable starter. Yep. We've got Tyler Boyd in the slot. We've got Boyd o-
1: needs to be your reliable number three, and if he can be that, that's perfect.
0: And I think he shares time with Alex Erickson. I yeah. think he's a he's a good player that can be used effectively and, and be effective. Yeah. What we need is that number two. What we need is that kind of just something a little bit X factory, like we had with Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones you know? is the
1: perfect number two wide receiver. Absolutely. I mean, if you could bring someone of his caliber back in, that that is the difference, you know. Yeah, no, I mean? absolutely. Um let's have a look here.
0: Um, and again, staying with the receivers, Duncan Price at Dastardly Duncan. There he is again. Hi, Duncan. Who will have more receiving yards next year? Ross, Mixon, Croft, Malone or Bernard?
1: I love these questions. Yes. Tweet us your over-unders, your who's going to get more. I love a hypothetical. All right. So who's the options? Who's going to have more receiving Ross, yards?
0: Ross, Mixon, Croft, Malone or Bernard? I thought Josh Malone looked better in... Uh, than Cody Cor, for I'm, instance. I'm going to
1: give you an easy answer. Go on then. It's not even close, Joe Mixon. Receiving yards. Yep. Okay. Do you want to explain? John Ross. I'm not a big fan. I'm not, not. I'm not a big fan of John Ross. But I'm. I'm very, very skeptical and nervous about John Ross. So I don't think it's going to be him. Tyler Croft might get you eight touchdowns, but you have got Ifit coming back. I think. I didn't think we would resign him, but I'm starting to feel like we might. Who Ifit? Yeah, I we'll just, get on we'll to get that. But I think... So I think if, you, if you're if you just saying that, I don't think Croft's going to have a huge role, especially not from a yardage point of view. He might have a few touchdowns. Malone looked good, but I don't think he's going to be too involved. And I think Mixon's going to outsnap Bernard. So I think by opportunity, Mixon... I think Mixon, yeah. I think, I think Mixon quite easily, to be honest. I'm think, going Paul? John Ross. Really? Yep. I
0: think... Oh, I'd, again, with those caveats placed... Put in place, sorry. If he gets fit... If he stays fit, if he has a good full season of, uh, sorry, full pre season behind him, and if he's used
1: correctly, I mean, he could be five, six, seven hundred yards. You're right. You are right. And I think if I wasn't going mixing, I'd be going Ross. He's oh, yeah, a No, He is it. it, it, no, <laughs> it, it. Yeah. It's, yeah, a, yeah, it's yeah. a close call, I'll give you that. Okay, next, uh, another over under question.
0: Uh, this is from Sam oh, I love Anger. This is at Sam Anger Sam. On Twitter, it's his first question. Isn't it It is. Hi Sam, thanks for tweeting us. Uh, over under. Joe Mixon will get fourteen hundred yards ooh, from ooh, scrimmage.
1: Ooh. Do you know what? I looked at this today. Before we came on air, I saw this question, and I I look. I've got my notes in front of me, and the notes I've written for this question are: Sam, you're bang on. If he's healthy, that is what he'll get. He, I mean, that's why it's a great. He's set the bar at the perfect yeah, runner. I think so. I think you'll. Do you know what I'm going to – this is going against all what I think and all what I know. I am going to go just about over.
0: I'll go just about under then. Really? Just to be
1: contrary. Only because I think uh,
0: Sam's hit the nail on the head. 1,400 yeah. yards, total yeah. yards from scrimmage is Absolutely. a great, great shout. Because, you know, what? It, I mean, everything that they've said, everything they've identified, they've acknowledged that the offensive line needs – Improving dram- not just improving here or there, but dramatically. So you would expect them to it's do. It's contingent that. on that as well. They isn't have it? to do it. If they don't, there's going to be. If there was uproar when Marvin got renewed,
1: yeah. there'll be absolute uproar. If they try selling you a boy he at left tackle again next year, the I mean, people will be, you know what I mean?
0: Big Said is, um, I hate to say it, but nothing more than a backup. Don't call
1: him Big Said. Why? He is.
0: <laughs> His name's Said. He he's you, big. You've got
1: to be good to deserve a nickname. All
0: right, fair. It's not even a nickname, it's like an abbreviation. <laughs> um, yeah, if we get our offensive line sorted out, that's, I mean, it's, it's going to be so much better. And the next question is from Cheska Douglas at FG Douglas. Thank you for getting in touch, Cheska. And her question is, what is your view on Tyler Eifert resigning? Do you want him back or would you prefer his replacement,
1: Tyler Croft? I've got to say, Tyler Croft has done a fantastic job of filling in for Tyler Eifert. But I was doing a bit of research on this today and, you know, having a look at it. And Eifert's the bigger guy. And I think if you look at his pedigree, he came out of Notre Dame, he's... You know, he's such a good red zone threat that's played to a Pro Bowl standard that I do want him back, yes. Do I think we'll bring him back? I think it's going to depend if anyone else is willing to take a gamble on him. Yeah, how do you set the market
0: on someone like Ivor, who's got undoubted X Factor and undoubted talent? but has obviously had a, a horrific injury record over the past three, four years.
1: Basically, the Bengals are going to say, We're going to offer you a condition based deal. We're going to set the market at this, and it's going to be dependent on you being on the active roster, and that's how you're going to earn your money. And he's going to say, Okay, that's fine. And his agent's going to call up teams' immediate tight end and say, My client is fit, he's healthy. And he is going to be a great player for your team. And he's just going to see if he can bait someone into paying the money for him. And to be honest with you, if I'm a team that is struggling a bit, like the Cleveland Browns, and they've got Njoku, maybe you take a gamble on the talent. You say, if we can get him healthy and he can play 16 games, we're getting a bargain. I think
0: you can talk about all the measurables, but it's the the kind of intangibles. It's his connection and um, almost kind of bond with Dalton you know what yeah. I mean that, that, Dalton loves a tight end absolutely the security
1: yeah. blanket of it is huge
0: um, Jessica also asks on a, also on a side note why are there so many
1: Tylers well we got Tyler Croft Tyler Eifert Tyler Boyd most Tylers in the NFL would, would you Paul gun is at your head I've got a gun have you and it's at your head do we have the most you just Tyler <laughs> Do we have the most, cut that out, do we have the most Tylers in the NFL? Yeah, I think so. There's not one more team with four Tylers. It's
0: such... Uh, and Someone is,
1: tweet us if you find it out not to be true and yeah. I will shoot Paul next week on the podcast. Great. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to that
0: very much indeed. <laughs> now, uh, I think we'll end on this one. Uh, it's quite a meaty one, but I think, you know, uh, we have to talk about it. Nick Parker at Kent Care Nick on Twitter says... Can we have a genuine debate about the pros and cons of Berfik? Too many penalties and suspensions cost us points and games at vital times. Is there a realistic alternative in the trade or draft, or do we just prefer prepare? Excuse me for the deja vu feeling next season. Oh, well, I have to say on this one, as soon as Berfik committed that penalty in the Pittsburgh game, I tweeted that he should be gotten rid of. Really? Absolutely. It was a it was a knee-jerk, emotional reaction. Gotta to, gotta to cut him. There's no way you know he, that cost us the game in my opinion. And he embodies the indiscipline that the whole team
1: goes under. What's your answer to the question though? Would what do you think? I Would, find it really difficult to he You're he the play, GM, you can cut him or do you bring him back? What do you do? I mean
0: I I think I bring him back. Yeah. But how do you get through to him when
1: season upon season he does something stupid? Do you, do you know what I think is going to be interesting? Is he had a very personal relationship with Paul Gunther. He a, did a very personal relationship, and they were very close. And you do wonder: you bring in Tara Austin, is Austin going to put up with him? Is he I don't going to know. respect Austin? Mm. Do you know what I mean? That you have to factor that in because it maybe it could get better, or you don't know. But like you have to worry about that. But I don't know. I mean, he's the leader of that defense.
0: I mean, the defense looks completely different without him. There's just something about Vontes perfect. Forget about the um the indiscipline and the suspensions and also the injuries. I think he's learnt to tackle better because there Do you remember there was the first couple of years he was just going in head first. Oh yeah. And yeah. it was like he's going to end up with some horrific Shazir like injury you know God, if he yeah. doesn't sort it out but then again he does something he twists someone's ankle when he tackles them can you and yeah he elbows someone in that in the in the ribs like you know when he's got them down and yet you look at him when he's being interviewed he's the quietest nicest guy well so he doesn't have any ha-
1: off the field issues does he no that's he's, the interesting he's thing clean about off the field you don't see him getting any duis you don't see him getting any trouble And I think talent-wise, he is a Pro Bowl player. I think when you see... I mean, that game against Denver this year, he was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, he was all over the field and... It didn't happen enough this year. He was
0: off the field longer than he was on it. Yeah. And when he was, it took him a few games to get back into that form. But yeah, he's got this uncanny knack. It's kind of... I don't think I've ever seen anybody who... um, Can take over a game. He's got this just pure instinct of getting to the football. When he plays and someone has a run, for instance, on the opposition, uh, and there's a big pile up and there's a big scrum, guaranteed at the bottom of that scrum, there'll be Vontaze A 100%. And he's got this amazing knack of just getting to where the football is. That, to me, says he's got an amazing
1: football brain. He yeah. knows where to be on the field. And he is the quarterback of that defence. I think if you could channel Vontez Berfect's ability correctly, he could be one of the best ever. I mean, it, sometimes I'll just be watching the game and you there'll be a tackle and you'll be like, oh, it's perfect." Yeah. And he could just be in every play. But the big, big problem with Burfict is that you've got two things that are going to severely hinder his career. The first is concussions, like you said, Paul. Yeah. That is a big problem. He has been concussed. I, I don't want to know how many times, but four, five, six times. And what's going to happen is, start of next season, you know the way he is. He's on in every tackle, and he's head first in every tackle. Not he so get, bad as he used to be. Definitely he's learned his lesson to an extent, but he's still going to be instinctually in there. He gets knocked out, and if you're knocked out as a rookie, you, maybe next week you're all right, maybe yeah. one week off. He's going to be off for three or four weeks. Yeah. And we can't afford the leader of our defence you know, to be getting himself knocked out of games. Every game, Berfic is tweaks something. The commenter, Berfic's down on the side, and he'll be in next play. But then, invariably, he's not. just the way he plays, isn't mm-hmm. it? It is, and it's 100 miles an hour, which is great. But you, you like to your point, you, can you rely on him? I mean, and the other point I'm going to make is... The suspension thing's a massive problem. Yeah, I mean, he's knocking people over in the preseason, and whether you see it as a suspension-worthy thing or not, it is. We can't have him. We can't have him knocking geezers over in the, uh, in the preseason, having a four-game stint out. You just can't have that from yeah. a player that you're reliant upon to make a difference. And I think that's another area
0: that we need just to kind of as insurance. He's that good. I think to answer the question, it is worth keeping. Perfect, it just. Is. The pros just outweigh no. the cons, yeah. I think. But I think you have to strengthen that linebacking core considerably to kind of... Again, trap wins, sorry. Um, <laughs> you have to kind of significantly strengthen that linebacking core um, as much as an insurance policy Burfett, uh Burfitt goes out. Now, Minter didn't work out at all this year. I mean, he started solidly enough, but then kind of went off a cliff like so many other people did. I've seen Tremaine Edmonds' name mentioned in a few mock drafts and by all accounts, he's really, really good. Um, Do you know what? I like the look of Jordan Evans. I think he could be a player, but this year was very much a learning curve for him. Nick Vigil the same. You know, he's not quite there yet. He had a few good games and then a few very poor games and then got injured for about six weeks. So there's no question, I think linebacking, the linebacker core is is something that we
1: need to address. Not Paul. you and me, but the, the team. <laughs> Not yet. Paul, I'm going to ask you a question Go really on. quickly. Fontes Burfick, right? Mm-hmm. Is there an argument with Berfic that if you're on the defence and he yeah. is the captain of the defence and he's the sort of main guy that you give a lot of credit to and he, you know, he's calling the plays at the line and everything else, you know he's ill-disciplined, and you know some of the times you know when he got ejected from that game, and he's flipping the crowd off, and he's ginning everyone up. And you're a professional, so you're not going to let it get in the way. Is there a worry that maybe you don't respect him? And um, that there's a bit of inward locker room, like a bit of politics. I think, I think
0: it's a yeah, and no, it's a really good point, and it's very difficult to answer. But it, if I was a player, we're paying him as well. We're paying him. If I was a player, I think it would be a similar situation to Chad Johnson towards the end of his Bengals career when yeah, he started yeah, freelancing roots. He started just doing what the hell he wanted. Uh, but it was just a circus. And you get a little bit that... But, you know, you want to... Especially at a sport like, you know, the NFL. I hate this phrase, but people say it's a man's game. But you kind of know what... it's a very, What I would substitute that with is it's a very, very physical game where people's livelihoods and physical well-being is put on the line every single play so you want to be able to absolutely trust and rely on your teammates and that's what's it's really difficult with Burfitt because then he sets the tone he does all that I mean. times yeah, 10 yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what i mean uh, but then what it just there's a is obviously a mental thing just slips somehow um do you, I think you forgive him because he's just such a good player. Is, might, just about. I think you'd have a few screaming matches with him.
1: If, if at my work there was someone who was in charge or they, were, you know, were leading something and they clearly were real disciplined and you know the fans maybe liked them as a bit rebellious and they were getting paid a lot more than you and they were getting thrown out of staff. They were turning up late and they, you know, there wasn't perhaps the same level of professionalism that was being exempted by yourself. There, to me, there'd be a problem with that. And I do wonder sometimes, you're a big fan of Michael Johnson, Carlos Dunlap, model pros on that defence, Geno Atkins, and you're like, we need this guy. Vinnie Ray's a model pro, and you need this guy from a talent perspective, and he's getting thrown out of games, he's getting suspended, he's talking trash on Twitter. Is there an element of like, we need a leader here? We need, we need someone to lead this team. We don't need a violent, outrageous personality. And as a fan, I love vonte's Perfect. I love him. But I do worry, to be honest, that there is perhaps that level of, this is a bit ridiculous. And I it's have not to being say, channeled.
0: No, I agree. And I have to say, I don't think we've seen or heard the last of the Vontaze Perfect controversies.
1: Absolutely not.
0: I think there, there'll be one next season and there'll be one the season after. Because, you know, We saw what happened against the Jags. He's got a reputation, even though that wasn't so much of a push on the ref, really. No. He got chucked out because of his reputation. Yeah. Um, So it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see whether uh, our new defensive coordinator puts up with any That's going to be the
1: interesting relationship, I think. I think so.
0: I think so. But I think at the moment, the pros just about outweigh the cons. Yeah. Yeah.
1: and I think that's where we should leave it this week don't you absolutely another good episode and like I said please tweet us in your feedback we want to hear from you next week's special guest is unreal so I'm hoping that comes up because if it doesn't, we're going to look really stupid. <laughs> it's actually uh,
0: Paul's cat Quill. Yeah, we're going to have uh, we're going to have him mic'd up, and <laughs> it's probably going to be the most interesting interview yeah, I've ever staged in 20 years of being a journalist. <laughs> um, a, quite a pioneering interview, I think, as well. A, a cross-species interview. How about that? <laughs>
1: First cat on a UK sports podcast. That's right. Now, uh, in all seriousness, you know he's a gra- he's a great guest, and we are. Really excited to have them on. We just hope it comes off. Yes. Again, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll
0: speak to you next week. Cheers, guys. See you next week. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.